1: Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. This one's got a pretty big doozy. Uh, We'd had a plan for an episode this week and then an announcement was made that changed everything.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that is, as I'm sure you have heard across the Magic Sphere, uh, TCG player acquiring Channel Fireball uh, and what that means. So basically, uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of the information that was presented through articles, tweets, whatever. That'll be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. There's three things we're going to cover. It's why the acquisition matters. Is this good or bad for stores on the whole as well as vendors? And then, you know, some other things that may or may re- not be relevant. Yeah. yeah. So with that said, let's get it started.
0: Yep. So I think the most hotly debated element of this that I saw is why this matters. And so that's why we wanted to put it up top. And people are talking about... They want to go behind the scenes and say like, oh, TCG player was just trying to unionize and this and that and the employees, etc." But bigger than that is why this matters. And that is the creation of effectively the Amazon of trading cards or collectible card games, however you want to look at it. There's a little more that TCG player does, like they tried to get into the pops, etc., And there's some stuff on the peripheral, but this really does create the monopolistic platform for this. Yeah. And I think that is what matters because now players really inside the United States really only have one choice for a marketplace. Yeah. Uh, and in my notes, I just broke this up into a positive or and negatives and I put this in the negatives because and I said this as sarcastically as I could in my own voice in my head, where are you going to go? Bidwicket, that is yeah. legitimately the only other non-Ebay marketplace I could think of to that the average consumer would go to. There's still Facebook and there's still Twitter and sales like that happening um, again on the peripheral. They still represent the open market, but that's, to me, why this matters most. And yep. again, there's, a, there's a, a lot to this, and this is why the debate was there, because like without external competition, now people aren't as incentivized to may not be as incentivized to price as low as they had to race to the bottom to sell out prices might yeah. float a little bit higher which is not great for the average user when the price of the game is already extremely high again this is monopolistic so a tcg player can start extracting fees to any percent that they want because again where are these people going to go and that's kind of what worries me and why this is extremely important as this is why this acquisition matters the most or this part
1: matters the most. yeah i think you know as much as we all exist in an unregulated unregulated economy because guess what that's what magic is it's just an unregulated economy mm-hmm. uh monopolies are bad even in unregulated economies uh the thing that's really interesting about this and i'm going to try to put a more positive spin on it rather right. than just harp on you know monopoly bad uh the interesting thing about this is that tcg players websites and pos sucked but the platform was great binder pos's websites and pos are amazing yep but the channel fireball marketplace was a dumpster fire it was so bad uh this solves both of those problems uh the real interesting thing to me that's why this matters is binder pos Mm -hmm. um is based entirely on shopify as a platform and why that matters is because shopify allows for custom SKUs, uh it allows for remote pos it allows for a lot of things that smaller stores really benefit from Mm -hmm. chiefest among them is capital loans oh Uh, okay so now having this integration with binder pos may be long term for stores because now if you're going to sell on tcg player you may as well have your binder POS up. Yeah, and that ties yeah. in very easily to Shopify, which can lead to capital loans.
0: Which sounds like a better solution overall than the TCG player website. And is it Nexus? Is that the in-store terminal that they're purporting people it, use?
1: It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, it, it is just abject garbage. Um, not a fan at all, but binder POS... like literally is one of the most seamless systems I've ever used inside of an LGS, both as a consumer and as a proprietor. It does Mm -hmm. literally everything. Uh, the more important thing to this about why this matters is one of the things that people have been harping uh, with platforms like Crystal Commerce that are multi-platform allow you to have your website and your, you know, TCG service, uh, this kind of eliminates the need for those platforms. So this may actually put companies like Crystal Cloud at business, okay. at least in the TCG sphere. Um, the other interesting thing to me is that one of the problems with Crystal that this kind of solves is if you're on Crystal Commerce or if you're on any of those integration platforms uh, and you've had your inventory live for a kickback weekend You know how bad inventory errors are, and they tell you, basically, you've got to catalog your inventory separately for in-store and just hold that back. You may not have to do that now. Mm -hmm. So in terms of options, this may be good. One of the bad things, though, is, and there is an excerpt from the email they sent out to everyone that uses their platform, where they said something to the effect of, don't worry, you can still expect the same great level of service from TCG Player. Uh, and what that says to me is fee structures are probably going to get worse. Mm-hmm. They're not going to stay the same, and they're certainly not going to bind your POS levels. Uh, and TCG will still not give a shit if your website's down. So that sucks, but I think the end yes. for experience is going to be a little bit better.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about uh, later on uh, about what happens when you merge two tech organizations and things like website support because yeah. Binder PUS presents their own solution versus TCG Player, which presents theirs and, and what falls out. So before we get to that, though, you started to move in towards a section of, to discuss about stores. And for the LGS ecosystem that's either on Shopify or uh, SquarePoint, Mm -hmm. or Square POS, whatever it's called, it seems like it's easy to move into the Binder POS ecosystem primarily because of the SKUs, which is what a lot of people want, why they would move into an online solution at all. So as far as the LGS is concerned, if they're not really engaged with the CFB marketplace, this seems like it does kind of incentivize them to make that move. Now you don't have to try and figure out which one am I going to use or both. You just have that one. Um, and for me, that seems as somebody on the outside looking in from an LGS, that seems like a better option, especially because on the TCG player marketplace, I believe the sales velocity overall was a lot higher. And by yes. moving from the CFB marketplace to TCG player, that means you're going to be in, in their ecosystem and in front of their customer base, which was to my belief and, why this is the sale went down most likely a lot larger
1: yeah for so
0: sure. now your exposure your products are being exposed to that many more people overall so that seems like a boon to the lgs
1: yeah i think so and i think you know one of the worst parts about the channel marketplace was you know it seemed like it can't everything was great about it fee structure wise everything sales giveaways they did all the right things marketing The problem was it's just like someone to try to break in now and occupy the same place as Star City Games. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been around too long. It's entrenched. You can't really compete with TCG Player on that level. Uh, And I think TCG Player, who has been shopping around for a lot of very interesting software add-ons lately, saw a huge opportunity in Binder POS because they've already done the legwork for this amazing system you can have in an LGS that just makes it so much easier for you to integrate your inventory with an online platform and yeah. have access to all of it at once. So, hey, uh, we can just pay these people that are already doing it, that already have done it and just not care. Let the, let them do their thing. And that's what they did.
0: Yeah, they, they just start folding in other other organizations into there some best in class opportunities and build out a much better solution for both the LGS and the visitor alike. From a a vendor perspective, I think this is, again, great for the same reasons that an LGS would enjoy this, which is that I don't have to decide which platform I want to be on or both. I'm going to be on the one platform now and just work with that one platform. I'm still going to have my own website and my own customers, but I can and will list items in these ecosystems that I know sell well there compared to my website or my physical store. Will list on that site, and I don't. I don't see that going away. And I still. I think this is a a boon overall, as long well. as, long as the systems operate as easily as I imagine they will when you remove a lot of the, overhead that TC and over engineering for underwhelming products that TCG player did because they're at their core, despite the fact that they want to purport they're some kind of tech company, they're not. They are a sales platform, first and foremost. Anything that they did outside of that was just an attempt to try and capitalize on a part of the market that they weren't in yet. Now yeah. they can actually bring in experts to do that. And, I think that's,
1: and super- that's one of the hardest things, I think, for any company the size of TCG is properly locating those people, and they have now.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. and yeah. so it removes the need for these clunky solutions. They can just, to your point, go out and buy these interesting pieces of software or invest in hardware to better help their backend performance in the warehouse. And yeah, I think that's super useful and super powerful where this org goes. Don't know, but if it's going to rise up as the one now you've got to think maybe heading in towards, you know, an Amazon style or box style solution. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, a lot of what sits on the periphery in, in this third bullet point, you know, other points of interest are things like, well, Channel Fireball offered a grading service. They partnered with uh, PCG back in November of 2021. eBay just rolled out their grading solution. So now TCG Player gets to thumb their nose at both of those organizations. Or not both of them. They just got PCG. They got that. They get to thumb their nose at eBay. Now they have a grading service. So a lot of that trepidation that we talk about, especially for somebody like me who likes to buy things in person, you know, there's a little bit more of an option for me, hopefully to actually use utilize this platform to buy some higher end product instead of just again doing it in person at an event. You know I can yeah. trust PCG grading hopefully. that that's something on the peripheral that not a lot of people are talking about but definitely remains.
1: For sure. And I think another thing is, you know, the after the Good Games quote merger, uh, there were some people on, I think, Reddit or somewhere uh, who were basically saying, oh, well, now they own Good Games, so TCG owns a store. That's not how that worked. Uh, Channel sold their inventory to Good Games uh, as the merger. They did not own the stores. Mm-hmm. Um, the really interesting thing to me, and this is telling because it is mentioned late in the, like, announcement, is that all of a sudden... Uh, they mentioned CFBE is back, that CFBE is part of this acquisition. Now, CFBE, for those of you who don't know, was basically dissolved. Channel laid off all of the staff and everything. So that's Uh,
0: Channel Fireball Events, right?
1: Yes, Channel Fireball Events, who ran GPs for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those of you who have been in this for a very long time, you may remember the TCG series. The TCG series was awesome. Uh, You basically went to qualifiers, and they gave you point cards, Mm -hmm. and you could redeem those point cards for entry into their big event. You could also just acquire them by grinding side events, by showing up. Now, the interesting thing about this was that these effectively had monetary value because they were used to pay for your entry. Yes. So it created this weird trade economy for this Mm -hmm. stuff.
0: I remember TCG Um, points in people's binders, yeah.
1: Yeah, you'd put them on like the back two pages and just like, hey, man, uh, you want to even out the trade? I got these points or I want to even it out. You have points. But it enabled a lot of modality then to the game and the trade aspects of it. Now, the reason that's really interesting is because, of course, we've gone to a non-centralized tournament organizer structure with Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Now, TCG having a events company under its banner can now run official games or official events for Wizards of the Coast. They can run official events for Flesh and Blood. They can run official events for Dragon Ball Super. And Pokemon. Digimon, Pokemon, all that stuff, all of a sudden you can now have a TCG player version of it.
0: Yep, and the there is something I do want to point about uh, about this because it is actually a bullet point that I had. Uh, I had it in in my negative section because they tried this already, twice, and both times it failed. But to my knowledge, the first run was a lot longer than the second. The first run was the one with the point system, Yep. and all those events that you were trying to grind into were cash events. So it was like a 1k leads to a 5k, to a 10 to a 50, and I can't remember if the final event was a 50, 75, or a 100. That's basically where you were trying to go, Yeah. but it was a limited scope event in terms of location so because they're out in is it Syracuse, New York or something Yeah. Um, basically middle of nowhere northern New York State that's where people were grinding so the events to get you there were a little more localized to the mid-Atlantic and New England so it wasn't a huge reach and at the same time the Star City event series was coming up and Channel Fireball was now holding more GPs so yep. their either desire or want to compete just kind of fell off it felt like. and it's not like people didn't enjoy these or they weren't high profile. There were uh, people uh, on their way to becoming pro players like I think Caleb Durward played in a bunch of them.
1: yep he but
0: did. the one of the main issues was that there wasn't really any co- any coverage of these events. so yep. people just kind of got disinterested in them. CFB brings a lot of that. They patch a lot of these holes. The second run that TCG Player did, they got, that's um, after the the dissolving of states and regionals. TCG Player and Star City were kind of jockeying for those, and you could play in TCG Player states, which I did. You could play in Star City states, or regionals, which I judged, and... They went back and forth, and that wasn't a points-based system. TCG player just wanted to get people involved in a tournament circuit, and they might have tried to jumpstart another one off of that, but it never really got anywhere. Star City also ended that run pretty quickly, too, because yep. there was no end goal. Star City's regionals didn't even feed you buys to their invitationals and stuff like that, so it was just kind of the, this weird time. As far as C of coming in, I thought they were still running callings and things like that, so my assumption is that if... TCG player wants to get back into the tournament series that's the perfect one to just kind of shoehorn in because the parent company takes care of, from my understanding a lot of the overhead costs for those events so all TCG player has to do is really do the location scouting and the rest of the logistics ahead of the event. The parent company takes care of everything including talent for coverage so why not? And then yeah, start competing. competing in Star City if Watsi wants to begin holding independently organized events again yeah. just run it i i, I came at it f- this from the perspective of well they failed once definitively why would this be a positive why wouldn't they just shed it and but i never thought about like flesh and blood and all the other games that cfb events actually brought with them which i think is super important also tied to this is the content creation that starts it, that channel fireball did yeah. We don't know what's going to happen with them yet, but if they are moved, brought over to TCG Player, that again creates one of the largest networks for something in the collectible and trading card game community. This time it's content of any and all sorts for a number of games. And they become a hub for content, which I think is something they've been trying to do for a while.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, when you talk about all of these different products that they've added and these strange collectibles. Remember when they announced, "Oh, we have pops." Uh, they've been digging around for a while for let's try to get sports cards on here. I don't know how many times they've announced it now uh, that oh, we're bringing sports cards out. And then you think of not just like pops and stuff. All of these games. Did did you really have Hero Clicks on there?
0: I felt like I did for a minute because I was probably looking for some specific X Men.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> fair. Uh, like Star Wars Destiny, this this is something that not only is it good because, you know, it expands the network. This is something that, in expanding the network, can give new life to these kinds of things that are not really dead, so to speak. They're mm-hmm. still, you know, you can call them a dead game, but people still play it. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, you have access to this stuff. This does create that almost, not really troll esque type collectible company but it's kind of close and to me that's huge
0: yeah i I was Um, just thinking about that when i was looking at the list of what they sell and it's like all these dead games like if there's one thing you can count on on the troll website at any given time is that they're hosting products for dead games because people just love them
1: yeah they do it's it's absolutely Incredible. Yep. And all of a sudden now you have a marketplace for this stuff because if you look at, you know, the troll list, the dead games are a little bit different than what we've got here on TCG. Like obviously you'll find like Argent Saga and Chrono Clash and Hero Clicks, but there's a wealth of selection here on TCG player because of how easy it is to get set up on the system. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with some of these more fringe games. Because if you have someone like TCG player who has an in-store POS system, and they are admittedly uh, the premier site to buy, sell, and trade cards, or buy and sell cards, sorry. Uh, If I'm coming out with a game, I think TCG is one of those people I want to talk to. Because especially if they have an event series that they're doing all of a sudden, well, now I definitely want to get in on that, because they can showcase my game for me and sell my game for me. Yeah, all of that is good.
0: Yeah, that visibility, that representation is is hugely, hugely important. Yeah, yeah, A- absolutely. Um, the the last stuff, the last couple of bullet points, I have really are just around the the merger aspect, and like sure. this is what I mentioned up top, right? So you're basically merging two technology companies into one, um, and it's kind of interesting to me to see that it was the marketplace that bought into the effectively website provider. Yeah. <clears throat> and not the other way around. Usually it's the website provider that goes out and buys the marketplace because the website provider has more clientele. But to the point you made, Channel Fireball entered this game so late the T C G player had already established itself as this monolithic thing. Yeah. So setting aside the the merger of the tech stacks and how long that's that's going to take from my perspective and people who are wondering well like what does this mean for the employees basically anybody who isn't immediately important to the merger of these tech stacks and support of the binder PO exactly the binder POS systems see ya. you're you're gone you got a little yeah. bit of time as everything moves over and they find out who's going to take on what but like that's it
1: yeah that you're
0: leaves out. a lot of that still leads sorry, leaves a lot of duplicate effort, duplicate uh, positions, and duplicate titles that will eventually get sorted out over time as the tech stacks merge and they determine which teams are best to maintain these. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's really only senior level development from Binder POS that survives this, their customer service teams that that, uh, survive this, and anybody who deals with their internal documentation and... Uh, and like client facing systems that can speak to problems that anybody will face as they set up a new website or, or work on the product etc because that's some of the hardest knowledge to transfer because you might document things as best as possible but there's a ton of tribal knowledge that exists no matter how hard you try and suss it out and put it into text somewhere yeah Moreover, merging documentation systems is also a huge pain in the ass. There's so many ways you can do it from Confluence to SharePoint. And those are never smooth and things get lost all the time. So that's yeah. going to be an internal struggle that will keep people on longer and actually secure some jobs, which, which is nice. But we might even see people shed from TCG Player because their binder POS equivalents are just better equipped to handle what's coming out on the other end as far as warehouse staff and everything like that is concerned, um, since it's all done through the LGS level, there was no warehouse for binder POS. There's nothing yeah. really to worry about on that end. Like, I don't remember them saying anything about centralized inventory.
1: Right. No, I don't think that's going to happen other than, you know, a direct program, which already exists. Yeah. So it'll just be literally the same warehouse it's been. So. Cool. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it, it's not like a lot of this changes quickly. There's going to be a, a A lot to suss out Um, probably like a year or two of a lot of this internal, well, who's doing what? Why do we have duplication here? What can we get rid of going on before we really see like the full churn uh, of employees and the full merger of, uh, of the tech stack? Yeah. But it is exciting. I never thought about this as a possible competitor to Troll, but it definitely seems like it could kind of come up in that space. I know for a for while sure. um, Troll's um, Evo product, uh, whatever the full title for that is, yeah, the Evolution, where you basically sell through them, was meant to mirror TCG player years ago, but I don't know if they're continuing that offering and what they're going to do in regards to this merger
1: it's going to be very interesting to see uh i think you know i would expect it at some point to compete in that space Mm -hmm. because if there's one thing that both channel and tcg love it's making money off of selling other people's shit it's true (laughs) Put forth and minimal
0: if, effort for a maximum profit, yeah.
1: And if there's one thing that Troll has been really good at for years, it's making money off of selling other people's shit. Yep. I, really good. Yeah. And I, yeah. I fully expect that to be what happens. Yeah.
0: I um, question as I was thinking through something. Did TCG Player, the year they introduced, or maybe the summer they introduced um, their buy list feature, have a booth at Gen Con? They did. Okay and were they just buying there right they were just
1: buying and advertising that was it okay hey we're here we're doing a thing
0: yeah i'm kind of curious if that booth kind of rolls out again if that experience ever moves forward
1: Um, i would not at all be surprised i would fully expect it at this point um i i don't think there's any way it doesn't roll out again
0: yeah if you're heading if you're if you're primed to be no pun intended the amazon of tcg ccgs and you want yeah. to actually set up a fulfillment by TCG player style thing, you, and you're letting people sell cards to you via their system. Why not actually yeah. do it yourself instead of having it meld and use uh, these captive audience events to fill those buy list holes? Yep. So it seems like something that definitely could be done. Um, anything else in the the potpourri section? Anything?
1: Got nothing else for potpourri.
0: Okay, I just wanna check my notes yeah we mentioned the grading stuff it's just kind of just weirdly pat like just easy to pass over yeah it's like hi ebay we see what you're doing Yeah, lost all right yeah that's it uh picks let's do it all right i uh, think you went first last week did you sure all right <laughs> cool that, that lets <laughs> me talk about this big dumb sorcery
1: oh heck yeah we love those
0: all right so uh this week Took me a little while to find my pick, but I finally settled on Eerie Ultimatum, a card I've been watching since uh, October of 2021, basically after it did a little bit of recovery. So it releases with Icoria. It's not uh, in Sultai colors, so it just tanks to zero, maintains a firm hold as basically a bulk rare until I add it to my list, like I said, around October when it, based, when it had bottomed out, and then we just kind of see it rise and fall. But the reason I'm looking at it today is because while Card Kingdom was buying zero in October of 2021, they're currently buying 59 dollar one50 as of me writing these notes. And as of recording, they are now buying 67 at $2.05. So in the last, like, 24 hours, this has increased uh, in price by about 40%. The set foil is holding steady at about $8, uh, sorry, they're buying 12 now, up from 8, same price though. So there's definitely some movement on Card Kingdom for this card uh, as of late. Now what does this card do for EDH? It's just, man, Abzan value. Abzan of all flavors wants this card. It's a finisher and a control deck, it's a value piece in mid range, and it's a combo piece in combo. But the other thing it does is play with Ruinous Ultimatum, which I found kind of interesting um, to play in five color, because I guess after you destroy all non-land permanents your opponent's control, you just want to stunt on them with eerie ultimatum. I don't know; I couldn't figure that one out. But within EDH, this is in twenty-five thousand. Yeah, this is in twenty-five thousand decks of a possible one hundred and forty-two thousand, which is eighteen percent of all possible decks and I think that includes Abzan, four color, you know, Abzan and then five color, which is insane. I don't think we've actually seen a card like this before. I did a little no, more this is huge. I did a little more digging because I found that stat insane. And uh, when looking at sorceries only on EDH rec in terms of popularity, it's the 11th most popular sorcery found in decks submitted to Rec over the last two years. 14th most popular in the last month and 14th most popular in the last week that is behind you know regular ramp spells jessica's will chaos warp sword supply shares card or sign out swords pluses, or or more blizzard's but like man even just like, i am off my game but ramp spells and other ridiculous spells let me pull it up real quick just to give you guys an idea yeah, blasphemous act. There we go. A bunch of ramp, demonic tutor. Like demonic tutors in the top six. Oh, it was right, just as well as a sorcery. Bang yep. Vandal blast. Like it's right behind Vandal blast. This card is insane. So, it was hard for me to define what what this is doing in the format because it does everything. Yeah. It, this is a better, such a better seasons past. If you are not playing this in Abzan, I just or four color or five color. I just think you're wrong or you're not playing a game plan that goes this long because this card does everything you need it to do. It returns any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's the majority of your graveyard. You just put it right back into play and swing out or combo out or you've taken control already. I I I think this card is just purely foundational and entirely overlooked. And it's really difficult to say, you know what this is doing because it just does everything. Like yeah. the decks it's played in are just so varied about what they're doing. It's act, It's honestly difficult to put a finger on it. And so all I could come up with is, if you're not playing it, you're just wrong. Yeah. Like that's it.
1: It it is absolutely wild to see. Because if if you would ask me, it and this was something when we were discussing the pink, you were like, did you know what you know it ranks here? I'm like, well, I mean like. I'm thinking ponder, preordained, demonic tutor, uh, imperial seal, wrath of god, rampant growth, cultivate, far seek, which we do see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you actually look and you're like, oh no, this this is like this is getting played more than a lot of those cards. Yep,
0: this is above ponder, reanimate, and windfall immediately. Like above toxic deluge.
1: Yeah, that is wild to I me. Mean, above verdict. Victimize. Like, there's all these cards that, like, I just never in a million years would have expected this card to be more popular than. And this is one of those things that, to me, when we talk about the invisibles, mm-hmm. uh, this is something that, plain as day to see on EDH Rec, to me is like, you know, your ultra casual invisible types at work.
0: I thought so too. I thought it would be a Ruinous Ultimatum. That would be the standout because it does exactly what people Yuck. who play Armageddon want cards to do. It is not Armageddon, obviously, but it just yeah. it does the rest. It and Armageddon get the job done, and I have played Eerie Ultimatum before in my yep. Kenrith deck as a value card, and I knew it was strong, but I didn't realize that it was 18% of decks strong.
1: Yeah, and which I, is I, insane. Yeah,
0: and I think this is just a card that people need to reevaluate immediately, both for play and for yeah. purchase. Um, for a, a timeline on this thing, in short order, we will run out of uh, light play and near mint copies on TCG to the point where they will begin to reach uh, Card Kingdom resale price, and that should trigger a market correction. Currently, the rise over time of the CK buy price allows for an amount of arbitrage until the prices meet parity, which, based on sales quantity, we can see might be within the next month, give or take a few days. We were seeing just a small number of copies sold per day. So when you just math it out and add up all those copies, it's about like 30 to 36 or something like that. Yeah. And after we hit the that market correct or that price parity and the expected adjustment of ck vilas anything we pick up should be profitable at a small percentage and the longer we hold towards three and six months out the larger margin we should see i wouldn't expect a sudden uptick in price unless content is produced that showcase eerie ultimatum but yeah. just a a slow and steady steady burn on this card um, reprint equity for this, I think is super duper low. This is not the first cycle of ultimatums we've seen. And yeah. Historically, ultimatum reprints are saved for supplemental products of multiple types and that's where I would expect to see this. Like, I think Titanic ultimatum was in one of those uh, versus decks, like Frexia yeah. versus the Coalition style stuff. Um, otherwise, the other ones came in commander like a Cruel Ult is in there, Brilliant, etc. Um, but most likely in an Abzan commander deck, is where i would see this rather than a draft set because these are so clunky to cast so i don't think we'd see them in a in a masters of any sort so a reprint on this could be a really far out uh, and i don't know if it even kind of makes the cut because they're hesitant to put cards like this in commander sets like at any point in time we could have seen a seasons past reprint in a commander deck but we have not and that's just mono green Yeah, um, as far as <clears throat> by quantity is concerned uh, I have about a dozen of these thus far, and I'd be happy buying another dozen if I could find them for between 2 and $3. I don't, I don't see a reason just to not
1: slam it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really good one. I think, you know, to your point about reprint equity, it's certainly not going to be within the next year just based on the sets we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominaria is not shard-based. The Brothers War is going to be an artifact set, not shard-based. Nope. You know it's so if we do now that the commander decks work the way they do we almost have to have a set that's shard themed and i just don't see that happening anytime yeah. soon you know
0: i think the only product that that um operates outside that because it literally does is the uh the warhammer 40k stuff and i don't yeah. think we know the what's going to be in those decks because besides obviously space marines but isn't there like a, a necro army of some sort like a necro yeah. race where the, the this kind of you know, Golgari or Obson theme could shuffle out.
1: Yeah, and they they'd be certainly I would think based on like Necrons in the game. Yeah, that one. Probably more Esper than anything else. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. I, so, I I really don't know that universe, but I as far as something like that in my mind works, it would be Golgari based. But yeah, I'm yeah. if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, so we if it's not if there's really nothing in the Warhammer universe that speaks to reanimation in Golgari or Abzan or whatever, then yeah, we are looking at a fairly long time for a reprint on this card.
1: Yeah. Which is good. Uh, I also think this is kind of an opportunity for... If you want to diversify a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, the Borderless is around 4 to $5, uh, which for EDH, I think is an easy out Not necessarily an easy acquisition, but if you don't want to go to like play sets at a time and you only want to get three or four that may be something to consider as well i think obviously you'll get a better return on your investment by going smaller wider mm-hmm. on the non-extended art but that is an option for people to consider so.
0: yeah absolutely the only reason i fell into the set ver- the, yeah the set version was because when i added this to my list in october ck was buying zero at zero and i thought there is no way that this lasts forever This is yeah. a card that's just too good so i never noted the quantity and price of extended art but you're definitely right um aside from the promo pack i think every version of this card is eminently approachable and i don't think it really matters what version you move in on but i I wholeheartedly agree that the extended art versions are going to be easy to move as well Yeah. yeah it's a good look good call thank you
1: all right my choice this week is getting back to my roots as you got back to big dumb green sorceries i'm going back to slum lording the reserve list baby <laughs> penny stocks all right so glacial crevasses why am i picking this card because we're on the downturn of another e- spike in this card Yep. granted uh the all-time high was you know in 2021 when we hit like six dollars for this card you don't need to know what this card does it's dumb it's from ice age it's reserved list uh the low is like a dollar right now and there was a time where this was buy listing for five dollars on card kingdom last year or yeah that's insane that is insane yeah. uh but as we saw with fork as we saw with grim feast as we saw with ember wild caliph As we saw with Unfulfilled Desires, inevitably the reserve list is cyclical. And once something gets into that cycle, it'll hit every time after there. This one has an added effect. Uh, I guess while you don't need to know what the card does, snowlands are relevant to it. So if we ever get another snowland again, which guess when this card spiked the first time? When Kaldheim released. If we get another snow set, we can fully expect this card to spike out of nowhere again, not to mention your typical reserve list cycling in and out back and forth. If you look at the stocks graph and you take a look at the spike where Kaldheim happened, you can see that there was a massive crater. And then all of a sudden we spiked up again, and we've just been on a gradual downtrend since. So ripe for the picking up now. Holding long term, this is something that in terms of Quantity, uh, I've got about 200 of them right now because I'm an idiot, I would not go that deep. <laughs> I would go maybe 10 to 20 deep because I've lit 10 to 20 dollars on fire for much worse for a longer period of time. Uh, Timeline wise though, that's where it gets kind of tricky okay. because one of the things that we've talked about a lot recently is the economic situation going on and how that impacts hobby markets. We may see a delay in the reserve list cycle now because this is not something that we've necessarily had to deal with since MTG Finance became this giant vehicle. Economy's been pretty good. We've had a regular cycle going. We've seen dips in the holidays, spikes during tax season. We didn't really have that this past year. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that spike during tax season. So, this is something that you need to be aware of going into, even at 10 to 20 copies. You may be sitting on for a year or more. My first unload window for this card is probably going to be like march april next year so this is one of those where you get all your order in from tcg you throw it in your long term box forget about it and then in a few months come back and check to see where you're at okay because if we're in a better situation come tax time 2023 this card may see a spike Uh, if we get a snow set in the meantime it'll probably spike again Uh, We will see what the fall set release announcement is when they say, hey, here's our roadmap for the next year, which I fully expect to happen next month in Vegas. Uh, Mm -hmm. But...
0: The 30th anniversary,
1: right? Yeah, 30th anniversary. Um, For now, what we're looking at is about six to nine months for the possibility of a return on this. So this is one you're going to be sitting on for the long haul. Uh, But at the price point... It's one that I'm comfortable suggesting and myself sitting on for the long haul, because it's not like it's a time vault or a, you know, Edwin a where you're investing a hundred dollars in this card. No, you're spending like ten to twenty, getting a dozen or so copies, and then just throwing them in a box. Yeah. That's it. Sweet, simple dumb because it's a cycle and people think oh reserve list and it spikes for no reason this yeah. card isn't good it's bad it's real bad I mean
0: look in multiplayer EDH yeah it's absolute it, poop but whenever I, you...
1: it might actually be fun like this is a group hug card I can't believe I just said that phrase oh my lord oh
0: yeah just you know a little crucible of World actions you just ah. return your one snow covered mountain every turn with crucible boop, and you're boop, up to the reasons
1: yeah yeah. just fog them every turn it's great
0: exactly there's nothing throw this in corona oh, god <laughs> that's your problem now yeah i i like seeing all this weird stuff come up when we can get ahead of it because it just does speak to the fact that you know you can make a little bit of headway by diversifying your portfolio realistically yeah. like it it just continues to prove valuable to pull into some of these weird reserve list cards that yeah. people don't remember our reserve list so they're easy to pick up they are usually pretty easy to find at, at the lgs level as mm-hmm. well unless they've already been bulked out because again a lot of this stuff from like ice age is just or was pure chaff yep so just disappeared into the abyss um
1: which is not a chaff card. That card is real.
0: It is very real. But it destroys, so it doesn't kill Merit Leash. That's true. Small it problem. does,
1: unfortunately, yeah.
0: Um, I have to, I'll have Trashic. to verify that one. Though. I don't remember. Uh,
1: yeah. Isn't it non black, anyways? And Merit, Is Merit Lege black? I feel like it is.
0: Look, well, the Abyss is weird. Destroy target non artifact creature. That's it.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Non artifact, sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: So it can't kill a Colossi, White Steel or Dark Steel, but it. Yeah because of that clause and it can't kill merrily because it's instructible.
1: Um, relevant.
0: Yeah. Tabernacle is a little more relevant, but it's the same problem. Yeah. Same problem. different Um, uh, but it is, this is relevant to note that the reserve list is pretty wide and pretty deep and keeping an eye on it, not at all times, but having a decent understanding that like facial crevasses, a card that I thought was not plural until you said it, yeah. uh, is on the reserve list. Land cap is on the reserve list. Like ice, not ice flows, but like sulfur flows or something like that. Is yeah. On the reserve list, and you don't have to be a student of the reserve list and understand everything that's no. on there, but understand that the opportunity to pick up anything from the reserve list will always pay out if you are willing to invest both the time and the money on it, and then be diligent about maintaining the status of your purchases to uh, churn that money because if you're not churning it quickly then it's doing nothing for you so you need to make sure that that investment vehicle is worthwhile and this again continues to prove over and over what we keep saying so uh, i like the pick and i like re-upping on stuff like this all the time so uh, unless there's anything from your side before we cut out i think we're good to go
1: Good to go. All right.
0: So we are at MTG Ballcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us there. Otherwise you can reach me directly on Twitter at Halt. I am Reptar. You are
1: at thirsty sizzler.
0: And we'll see you next week.